0: You were gonna cook up some burgers tonight You broil them on a flame, make them taste just right So isn't
1: it nice to know there's a place to go Where they make it just as good as you can make it yourself
0: Hey everyone ever, uh, welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins, and um, originally today was supposed to be a special sort of bonus preview episode, uh, giving you a little insight into a new podcast that um, that I, I was going to be launching next week. Uh, it was a show called What's That Song, and it was going to be a five-day-a-week uh, podcast that goes song-by-song. Through the entire discography of the replacements sort of my favorite band of all time and I thought going through each of their songs in order and talking about each one I, maybe I could figure out why they matter so much to me um, and today we were gonna do like a, uh, a, a an, an episode to kind of give you a sense of what that is um, surprisingly given all my time here in the house I'm a little behind on that so it's being pushed uh, pushed a week. The show isn't going to debut next week. It's going to debut the following April 27th, meaning next Thursday. I will take a look at what that show uh, sounds like. But in the interest of still getting something in our feed and, and maybe even giving you something a little more uh, interesting to listen to, I'm reposting a part of an episode uh, of Bob and I from back in 2018. Uh, this originally was uploaded on April 19th, 2018. It's episode 61 It was Bob and Mai's look at the uh, 1983 thriller, Matthew Broderick featuring thriller, uh, War Games. Yeah, let that take your mind off of the the outside world a bit. Here we are talking about how maybe we didn't have much to talk about uh, with War Games. So, Bob, before we begin, mm-hmm. I would just like to ask, would you like to tell me about the Whopper? Sure. I could tell you about the Whopper. Oh, really? I thought that'd be hilarious. I was laughing my ass off that the name of the fucking computer <laughs> was the Whopper, but nothing from you? Nothing. Well, Nothing.
1: Okay. Uh, no, I also felt the Whopper took a mm-hmm. lot away from the effect that this thing could have had. Um, the Whopper... What, so
0: the, what does it stand for? The Whopper is the it computer... It is the War
1: Operation Plan Response. War That's, Operation Plan well, Response the e for? is the... There is no E. It's W-O-P-R. It's pronounced oh. Whopper. Oh, okay. And it is this giant, you know, box, uh, basically like a encasement of lights, which, by the way... Here's how effective the Whopper is. This I watched the movie with my wife, and as as we're watching it, there's one tense scene where everything is building up, and there's a woman with a clipboard walking around the Whopper, looking at it, making a note, looking at it, making a note. The Whopper is basically a black box with lights flashing. Like what Yeah, are,
0: terrifying lights. It's
1: terrifying lights. It's like, what sort of notes is she taking? Oh, that light is going too fast. This must mean <laughs> something. And one more thing. There's a display, and we're jumping ahead here, but there's a display on it that we get a close-up
0: of counting down the, the war game, basically, that nobody seems to notice. As it opened up, did, you, did it start coming back to you? Did you recognize or remember any of this movie as it started? No, not at the beginning. I don't right. remember the beginning at all. No, um, it's, it's, a, it's like a secret base. You get a secret base yeah. there, just like in Spies Like Us, but I don't remember any of that. And I didn't recall that it opens with three very recognizable actors. Is uh, that the guy from The West Wing? Was
1: one of them on John, The West Wing?
0: John Spencer from The West Wing. Michael Madsen. He's really Italian. Yeah, primo and pasta. <laughs> like he's really Italian in this movie. Those are the
1: first two people we see.
0: They don't Who get. Who's the other um, one? Michael Madsen. Is that what you said?
1: Ma- Michael Madsen, yeah. our, our Reservoir Dogs? Michael Madsen, and among other things. Um, and then the guy that lets him into the building. I don't know his name, but he's a very recognizable actor, character actor. Uh, I
0: think he played Babe Ruth in Field of Dreams. It's oh. that guy. It's like one it's of not, those that guys. Well, there's another that guy in it, and he doesn't have a line to like halfway through the movie, but he's a balding guy. He's the hotel owner from Ghostbusters. He's a military right? assistant following yeah, behind Dabney Yeah, there's Debbie loads Coleman. of that guys. There's yeah.
1: loads of that guys in this.
0: There are, actually. And then it kind yeah. of peters out. And I think, like, because I'm trying to think, is there anyone in the school or anything recognizable? And I think Matthew Broderick's father, and I could be wrong on this, but I think that it's the father. Uh, I think it's Harriet's father from Small Wonder, but I wasn't positive on that. Mm. Yeah, it's a similar tone and all of that. But yeah, there were, so there were recognizable faces at the beginning. I was confused at the start of this, because I do remember this as being a kid's movie. And I think, it, you know, yeah. and a kid's thriller. And I think it becomes that. But this beginning was very... Military, and I was just wondering, is this a pro American military movie as a lot of the movies in the 80s were? Like, I, it mm. the start of this did not make me think, oh, okay, this is the comedy that I thought it was going to be. This is the Matthew Broderick movie. I, I was a little put off because it is, t- it's tense. I thought it was very well done. I thought it
1: set a, a tone for a movie that that was different than the tone I expected,
0: but I thought it, it, it set up what was to come pretty well. But would that have interested you as a kid? Because we both saw this as a kid. Would that part have? Would that have no, lost you? Would you have followed that? It?
1: That was totally lost on me as a kid. It was something I don't even remember being part of the movie. Um, it sort of enhanced the movie a bit for me this time around because I did get to experience that and. And see what was going on, and and just to sum it up for anyone that hasn't seen it, if that's okay. Yes, that's great. I just want to make sure. Um, basically, I mean, we'll
0: wait for everyone to tweet in, yes or no. But I think, <laughs> these, these I, think were, I think the majority are going to be say it's fine. Bob, go ahead.
1: These were the, basically there was the two guys at the at the keys for the missile launch, and they got a uh, an alert, and they got all their codes that they needed. Um, everything was confirmed, and they had a countdown to launch the missiles. One guy, John Spencer, put his key in. Michael Madsen puts his key in. There's the countdown. They got permission to launch. And it, it, the tension built up. They went from casual joking to very serious by the book. There's sweat pouring down their foreheads. And John Spencer refuses to turn the key. Michael Madsen knows that it's his duty, so he pulls out his, his sidearm, points it at John, uh, and says, Turn your key! It turns out to be just a test. Um, that they didn't, they weren't aware that it was a test, and so it was human error. They didn't follow through with their duty, and the movie, I think, really uh, from the get go, is to me as much as it is about you know thermonuclear war. It's really about this
0: fear of of computers and taking the human factor out. Except, I mean, is there a fear of computers because very quickly the movie. <laughs> Jumps from this NORAD military bunker that gives tours, for some, reason, <laughs> yeah, for to, some um, reason, to Seattle, Birthplace of Grunge. Like, that's where we go to meet two of um, the most um, uncharismatic teens I've ever had to watch <laughs> on the big screen. Like, it becomes a high school movie, which is yeah. weird, by the way. Not that it's a high school movie, but they're uncharismatic. Because both of these two, it's Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. Yes. And they both just a few years after this play, two of the most iconic teens I've ever seen in a movie, Ferris Bueller and Allison from The Breakfast Club. But like, did you remember that they were the ones in this movie, that they were the teen characters in this film?
1: Uh, Yes, I did did know that they were the two teens that get caught up in this uh, crazy
0: event. Did Um, you relate to them as a kid? Did you like them? Did they seem enjoyable? I, I
1: related to them in that they were kids. Yes, they were probably older. They were certainly older than me when I first saw the movie, uh, but Mm -hmm. they were still in school, high school. um, So I related to them from that perspective. I didn't relate to them um, in what their interests were, uh, how easily they uh, tried to um, change their grades and stuff. uh,
0: That wasn't the (laughs) type of kid I was. Well, they tried to change it by hacking into the school computer. And that's why you said a fear of computers. I think this movie is one of the first real, like, jerking off love stories with computers. I think this movie really embraces technology. The Matthew Broderick character is this... I can see why this movie does resonate. It doesn't resonate with me through my life, but I can see why, like, techno geeks and people who do programming and and people who computers are what they work on, I can see why this movie would have impressed them as kids. Sure. Because you have this teen who knows... (laughs) How to? I don't know. He knows how to do the stuff with a computer that still kind of seems like magic to yeah. me. Like what he can do with it. Sure, but it.
1: And I, I see that that initially is sort of a, a, a little love note to technology, but at the same time, it's that same technology that gets him into this trouble and nearly causes a global war. And I well, I'm think going to argue
0: with that, I think. But first, what is the trouble that he gets in? What what is the, Let's set the movie up, basically, in case anyone listening hasn't watched it. Because I think there's something to what you just said that is interesting the movie, but that I kind of disagree with. He's, a, he's How how does the movie get rolling? How does how does well, Ferris Bueller and the Whopper meet? Well,
1: uh, he basically uh, doesn't give a shit about doing things the right way. He
0: wants to do them. He's his a horrible, way. cool kid in this movie. Yeah, he, I hated he's Matthew he's Brodick not a nice person. Movie. Um, and so he But uses, he's not good at it, either. He's not a good actor for it. it it's very lackadaisical. It's, there's a lot of just staring bored. and walking. He just seems bored. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a realistic portrayal, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe we need animate, larger-than-life teen characters in our teen comedies when we're a teen. But I can't imagine watching <laughs> yeah. this movie and being like, oh, yeah, that guy. Because he just seems so... It's like watching Matthew Broderick now in an interview sure. or walk through life or the two times I waited on him at a coffee shop. He has just given up at this age <laughs> at, at, at a 20 year old playing a 14 year old, he has given up and it's just sad. He's a sad, It's it, that part of the movie is really, I don't know why this movie would have resonated with anyone who wasn't in the computers because they're not engaging teens. I don't think.
1: No. Yeah. They're, they're
0: pretty bland. Yes. Yes.
1: Even in their badassery. Uh,
0: which which is, he does do. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. He does do yeah. some badass things with a computer. Well,
1: yeah. And so he, he sees that there's a new gaming system coming out uh, via an ad in a, and he, uh, in a magazine. And he sees where the company is located. And so, you know, being the brilliant computer mind, he uh, finds out what the area codes are there. And then he sets up his computer to dial every number in that city. And see if it answers with a computer tone, and he's trying basically to find the computer phone access to this company, so he can get into their computer system and. Is that steal. a real thing? I have no idea.
0: <laughs> Is that how games work? Okay.
1: He wants to steal the games, or at least play them early before it comes out on Protovision.
0: Um. <laughs> And so, and that's one of those things where computers are magic in the 80s. Because, and again, maybe I sound like a fucking moron if that is how it works and it's a very simple thing. But yeah, he had all this was that consumer grade computer stuff in the 80s? Because his parents so. are tech savvy. Yeah, his, yeah I think right. That his was parents stuff are that he in that He was field.
1: somehow getting, I mean, he. it was alluded to. I mean, we actually see that he goes to some computer factory. We'll call it a computer factory. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, and he sees. He speaks to a couple of his, his computer hacker buddies who are... Those were the two characters I liked. You're, you're atypical computer geeks, I guess. Exactly. One, no. one very nerdy, one
0: slobbish. Um, you can say fat. One fat, one nerd. I can say slobbish, too. You did say slobbish. You're right. Yes, he's both. He's he's, he's multi-layered character. I, why weren't they... I know why they weren't, but why weren't they the main characters? I, I actually liked them. That's when the movie picked up for me, because they had character, they had spark, <laughs> yeah. they were caricatures, but they were talking in a funny way. I wish they could have had been the fucking ones who were talking with the sandwich computer. They weren't good-looking teens, I guess. That's why, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they were sloven, not Slavish. Thank you. So a yeah, very is good word.
1: But I assume that that's, his connections there is where he probably gets some of his, his uh, high-grade computer okay. equipment. Yeah. Um, and so in, in pulling all these numbers down, he opens them up and, and finds that oh, one was to a bank, one was to an airline, <clears throat> and one was to an unlisted number. So he tried to see what it was. He entered a few things. And since he was looking for games, he logged he typed in something about searching games or help games. And then all of a sudden a list of games come up, some of them normal, chess, checkers. Uh, and then others. Thermonuclear all- nuclear <laughs> annihilation. That there, was the title of one. That's there a you go. Game. Uh, so he assumes he's gotten into this uh, Protovision database and tries to play the games.
0: They're just text-based games. I guess that's what home computer games were back then. It was kind of like. Yeah. Because he does. He downloads a program, and he start. He basically he hacks into. He thinks he's hacking into Protovision, but he hacks into. Uh, the sandwich computer, right? Yeah, that's basically the what's whopper. happening. He basically because he does. finds and all the yeah and all the games are sort of its teaching methods. You teach it through chess, you teach it through tic tac toe. Yeah. Well, I don't know if tic tac toe's in there yet. Strategies, yeah, that's a, strategy games. Thank you. And and this I actually this part I liked. It made sense. Looking through the list, they're like, well, which game do you want to try? And they they pick thermonuclear war or whatever. <laughs> they they sure. pick the most horrendous sounding so- one. And so they initiate the game on his computer, thinking it's a game. And I guess that's where they initiate it in the sandwich computer's mind, which begins this countdown.
1: Let's let's actually, <clears throat> let's back up just a little bit. Okay. Because it's not like they break in and they just start playing this game. They can't get into the game because it's uh, password protected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's when he goes to talk to those guys to figure out hey, how, how can I get into this game. And they suggest you got to find out who developed this because he probably input a backdoor password. Once <laughs> you know him, and you can guess what his password is. That's so they right. spend, I don't know how long because it's a montage, but Beth uh, <laughs> Roderick's character spends all this time researching the game, <clears throat> finding out people's names, like really doing a lot of work. Just to find out, I mean by the time he finishes, the actual Protovision game might even be released, you know, to the public. <laughs> um, but he finally figures it out and it's a very dark kind of thing. The guy who created it used to work for the military. He was trying to make a computers that learned from their mistakes. He found out that his his wife and son died in a car crash. His son's name is Joshua, and then in that bleak moment thinks, It couldn't be that easy, could it? And he types in Joshua, and that's what gets him in to play the games. But that's like, it felt like 20 minutes of the movie just figuring out how to break into this account.
0: Well, that's like the low-rent Goonies adventure that they have. You know, like you right. said in the first half that you used to like movies where, you know, like you, you talked about, like, you know, some pulls into car and says, hey, kid, help me out. You know, like where you're on this mission <laughs> as a kid. Right. And that's, I mean, this one of the things this movie does is that even though I don't like these characters, they are smart. Like they constantly outsmart the adults. Yeah. They break in and out of NORAD, I which I don't think anyone is supposed to be able to do. <laughs> when we get um, so, to the end of the movie, there's something I do want to talk about there. But yeah, they, they, they're smart kids. And they are right. in that and adventure, so and I do like that part of it, or I especially did it as a kid. Right. So I, I would. Do you remember the part where he's trying to hunt down how to get in? Like you remember that whole part, learning the history of the sky and all of that. Yeah, yeah, and and figuring the puzzle out. Absolutely. So that part's cool. I kind of wish that was a little more. Like I guess again, it's now I'm wondering who is this movie aimed at? Because in the Goonies, they go on this quest. I, I don't care much for the Goonies, but it's a good template. The quest is probably ridiculous when you really look at how the entire underground is working and how it's built and all that. But yeah. you're going through all these obstacles and solving it almost like a video game. That's where I'm like, as a kid's movie, follow that, maybe. Follow that part. Have him do the research. Have it be a little more adventurous. Because, again, the research he's doing does set up the third act. It's structurally important yeah. to get us to this island of the guy. Eventually, we meet the guy. He looks like Neil Gaiman, the, the guy that they, they find. Okay. Um, who who built the computer? He's awesome looking, I think, is what she says. She does say that, (laughs) which he's not, he's he's British looking. Um, but yes, so there's that, but like maybe I don't know, just uh, something is missing where like these are not engaging kids, these are not fun kids to me, right? And maybe it was different in the 80s because computers were more mystical or whatever, but yeah, so that the plot is set up regardless, and so. From there, the movie kind of becomes. I'm trying to think now. How does the pacing go? That's the thing. Like this movie doesn't stick with me. <laughs> it, it it completely it completely changes.
1: It, it, it takes a long time. There's a long movie, going from meeting Matthew Broderick and and learning about his computer skills and figuring out how to get into this game and having the game start and then what happ- What changes when? The FBI or the government basically picks him up and takes him to NORAD.
0: That's right.
1: And once he gets in... Yeah, they kidnap him because... Uh, because they think he's working for a foreign entity. It, like, they, like his purpose was to get into the system and to launch missiles. They didn't believe him when he said, no, I was just trying to play a game. I thought it was somewhere else. And so they completely They take him to NORAD, of course. The dude wants to get <laughs> into our military system. So let's, that's let's, where you interview. Let's them. take him to NORAD um and they call his parents and say everything's going to be fine and the parents don't get involved for the rest of the movie so he's he's at Norad now and then the pace totally changes and it's it's a little faster paced I guess it's not as drawn out and it's not as mystery it's more about here's a goal let's do it here's another goal let's do it um and they do it pretty quickly and it like the first half of the movie is feels like it's like you know 70 minutes and then the last half is just tight little 20 minutes which is actually how movies work, I guess. But still, um, well,
0: that's how a ninety-minute movie would work if you did it. Yeah, math. that's yes. true.
1: But but like so much is is fit into the last twenty minutes that you totally skip over a whole bunch of stuff, um, like like when they get to the island and meet the guy who's supposed to be dead. Because the guy who made the, the British guy, the, the awesome guy looking who made Neil Gaiman the guy, lives on an
0: island with a dinosaur. Lives on the island. I literally, as I'm watching
1: this, <laughs> they cut to the bird in the sky, and I say, "Is that a pterodactyl?" Like I had that t- same thought, and they're like, well, "It can't be." <laughs> and my wife remembered, and she's like, "Yes," as if like, "Don't you remember?" He is now into dinosaurs. So had okay.
0: your your wife had seen it before? Does she have a good memory of this? Did she oh, like? She this at movie? least
1: remembered the pterodactyl
0: part. I didn't remember. That. Okay, <laughs> um, she wasn't thinking of Godzilla because he's Matthew Broderick's <laughs> in that as well, looking <laughs> almost the same. Yeah, that and guy almost as uninspired. That's also true. Uh, but then suddenly they're in a helicopter,
1: and then suddenly they're in a jeep, and then suddenly they're back in NORAD. It like totally, the, like you were saying, the pacing of it just shifts completely. Um and again it becomes more about for me the mistake they made of putting a computer in charge.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they they allude to this a few times when they cut to the same missile silo that John Spencer and Michael Madsen were running, it's now empty. And it's just computers and there's nobody there to stop this from happening like there was at the beginning of the movie. They cut back to that empty room a couple times as the countdown to the missile launch was
0: happening. That's right, because once Matthew Broderick's character starts playing the game, it's there are a couple false. Right? Is that how the government gets involved? It looks like there are attacks going on, but it's just a computer playing through these sequences. Exactly. And the and the computer is designed to only run sequences unless the country is at DEFCON one, and they have that little counter that says DEFCON five, DEFCON CON four. But But the computer is also designed to win.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is why, when they are able to stop it and realize it's just a game, and not launch their missiles, uh, they, being the U.S., the computer, the computer wants to win, and so it sort of takes over and starts the process of launching the U.S. missiles for real. At least we're assuming
0: it's for real, and that's frightening. I have to, it's weird. We're we're Talking, I think we're bookending the movie because you're right, there's a lot of bullshit happening <laughs> in the middle, basically, which is exciting. But it's just the pace is so off because it's a thriller. So maybe make it a, an adult character. It's a comedy, but they're not funny. They're kids. But, you know, he's at an arcade. I like I like that part. I loved seeing the fucking arcade in this movie, but that doesn't really come back because he's not that kind of the computer guy, as we find out. But there is something going on, which is this whole movie is set about the fact that and this is kind of funny. <laughs> like they thought they were playing a simple game and that's what triggered the computer to think war, doing war, and then every simulation the computer runs is terrifying enough that the military brass that's in charge lower or changes the DEFCON rating, the DEFCON 3, DEFCON 2. They're taking all of this as possible attacks because what happens is the, the, the hamburger computer puts up on the monitor pictures of where subs would be coming in, pictures of where missiles would be coming in, and does all the things that these computer monitors supposedly monitor, but it's doing it as a simulation, which none of them seem to get. And that's why they keep wondering, is this a real attack? An attack? Is this a fake attack? And, and yeah. that part is stressful because they have to reach out and, and through the phone and through communications, check if these places are really there. Yeah. So that's like the, the, the structure of the movie. And it really is. The reason I, you know, I was saying before, I don't necessarily think it's a computer in charge is this movie humanizes the computer. This movie gives the computer a child's name. This computer, this movie gives the computer a voice. This movie gives the computer a love of games. Like it's it's just a kid playing. Like I feel that way too. The way the computer talks is, "Do you want to play a game?" You know, it, it doesn't. I don't think the computer is aware. Like it's not a Skynet situation. Sure, where the computer has self awareness and decides, "No, right. uh, mankind is is let's wipe out people, persons, but places, and things."
1: That's exactly my point, though.
0: Um, the computer doesn't have
1: a personality it's not a person and it doesn't uh want to do this it's not a a villain it's not an evil thing it, but it's just a computer it's just programmed to do what it's programmed to do it doesn't have john spencer's conscience and isn't going to suddenly realize <laughs> i shouldn't <doesn't> like pasta <laughs> i shouldn't uh i shouldn't turn this key um it's the theme of the movie is even said at the end uh, where the general, thinking it is real, is about to launch the missiles, and the argument is, don't do it. We have so many other clues that this is a game. You you have to stop acting like a machine because he was the machine. He was a general who felt like he had to do what his commands are. And when he sees missiles coming, he has to fire missiles back, just like the the machine is seeing. We're playing this game. I have to fight. I have to fire missiles. And they're saying, no, General, do not act like a computer. Don't be a machine. Use your own human, you know, uh, skills and viewpoints and conscience and know that this probably isn't real. Don't fire the missiles. Because even if you do, you're just condemning the other half of the world, you know, to a problem. Even if this is real, you know, you have a choice. A computer doesn't have a choice. A person has a choice.
0: The computer also isn't launching the attack. That's the thing. This is... This is kind of the issue because this is the argument people make towards video games cause violence. It's like the computer thinks it's playing a game because it's programmed to run simulations. The only way the computer would launch an actual full-scale attack is when a human decides to lower the DEFCON level, which a human does. The general takes us down to DEFCON 3, then 2. The computer was programmed to enact its 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 nuclear attacks only if, if we reach DEFCON 1, right. which a human puts us at. Which human? And that's the thing, Which like, human does that? Was it? The human that puts us at DEFCON 4 3 2 and 1 is the
1: general. It's a general who threw, I think. Yeah. Who, threw, who up to the end is acting like a machine is just as as computer he's not like. Acting like
0: machine. He is, he's following he's a, he's protocol. he's a human being who has violent tendencies. No, he's he, he the problem he is following
1: the protocol and only at the end when he when he veers away from his programming, so to speak. And he uses his own personal choice mm-hmm. does he not launch if, the the missiles
0: if he had launched the missile missiles a human would have launched those missiles it's not a machine Correct. launching but the he missiles didn't. the humans are putting it up to to get to it. that's that's the weird message in this i mean yes it took a lot of coaxing to this guy
1: but he eventually heard what was being said broke out of his programming as a general and did a, a, his own personal human choice to not turn the key just like it was set up at the but beginning but it
0: also would have been his human choice to do it that's the thing it's not we're not mechanical machines if we decide to launch missiles were unfortunately horrible, bloodthirsty human beings. True, and that's the issue I think with this. It's not the machine is never at fault. (laughs) The machine was programmed. That's the and that's the thing. I didn't remember. I thought the computer developed the consciousness, and I thought when you name it, and I was all ready to say that at the start of our talk, even where I'm like, oh no, it's like a kid, it's like little baby Joshua, but it's not. Matthew Broderick even says it's not talking. The voice that you hear is coming through a microphone, uh, interpreting. Beeps and sounds or whatever, which I don't know why it has the same voice at the base, but that's how it works. So all of that is, is is human interpretation trying to rationalize this machine. I think this movie maybe has a couple mixed messages in its anti-technology stance because when the guy from The West Wing and Michael Madsen are in there talking about pasta, they're still monitoring. Machines. They still press a button on a the machine. They still operate machines. Machines are part of this. They're tools. And at whatever level you're going to remove a human from interaction, they're still just tools. That's why I think the computer not becoming self aware, and that's again, I remembered in the movie, I thought it did. It doesn't. That changes the message of the movie. Because the general didn't become more human. By deciding not to launch the missiles, he made the what I would call the right choice. He made a human choice, but there's also a human choice to launch the missiles. It's an unfortunate human it's, choice. It humans an unf- and machines are not polar opposites, which is sounds like the, what, what the movie and and, and you are proposing in that. Sense. Yeah, and I think it's putting blame on mechanical thought and mechanical action, and not holding humans in in the equation. Like this isn't an anti nuke movie. <laughs> Because humans are never actually if if because if it, if what you're saying is true, humans were never responsible for the missiles. It would have been the machine. Like there's no question of having it. There's no question of, of 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 pulling back. It's just oh he didn't launch him. So humans are all right. Humans built the machine and built the machines of the missiles that the machine's going to launch. I
1: agree. I agree. There's so there's a missing message. Yes, in there this. is a mixed message, and I agree that a bigger picture. And also, if you pull out of the movie. Um, and, and speak to this in the real-world scenario, you're absolutely right. There are humans that do atrocious, atrocious things all the time, too often. Yes. In the world of this movie, I think the message is about the machine, and you say that the computer doesn't become self-aware. Um, it doesn't necessarily become self-aware, but it does learn uh, at the end of the movie when they, play, when they have the game play tic-tac-toe against itself, and understands that mm-hmm. there is no winner there, and then quickly does all sorts of global nuclear scenarios back and forth, back and forth, and realizes
0: there's no winner there either. Um, and so... That part was frightening, by the way. That That is the scene of the movie that is horrifying. Anytime I see a map of a missile heading <laughs> somewhere... Of your sentences going to stop <laughs> yeah. there. Anytime, anytime I see a map, map, terrifying. National treasure, but no. Any, terrifying. Anytime location, I see that, that computerized
1: map with a missile that's heading somewhere that we can't see the missile, we can't see that location, and the map, the missile hits that spot, and then that bright light happens in, in circular form on a map, and that's happened in uh, several things. That always terrifies me. That sense of something somewhere is being destroyed, and to see that over and
0: over and over again in this movie is terrifying. Do you think those maps really work that way? Do you think they're programmed to actually work that way in the real world? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. But no, it's true. It's it's visually appealing. It is. And it works because that's, yeah, the the scene you're talking about is they think they've defeated the the sandwich computer. I forget why, but they think they've shut it down. But because like you, I guess, and maybe this is where it is, human, because you said it's programmed to win, it keeps going. It doesn't stop because maybe they didn't lift it off of DEF CON 1. I forget why. So They did
1: something about locking – they locked it into the, the process. Uh, it's, okay.
0: it's alluded to. There's some sort of
1: – they can't stop it oh, for right. whatever
0: reason. So, so slightly earlier in the movie, the Neil Gaiman-looking awesome British guy talks about the simplicity of tic-tac-toe and how it's a game nobody can win, I think, right? It's always a stalemate. Yeah, I think it's a mixed metaphor, too, because I think he uses it as a stalemate in war. But I think Matthew Broderick – Asks and then and this is what I don't understand in the middle of its nuclear thermonuclear meltdown <laughs> procedure. The computer can also play a game of tic tac toe. Sure. He asks the computer to play tic tac toe. They do, and it's just stalemate after stalemate because uh, that's how the game's built. If you're smart enough, you you know just you, you never win, and then that makes the computer start to consider all the different courses. I guess this is now this is falling apart because so the computer. Is processing data. This data was always there. It always saw that each scenario would kill this many people. That's not news. We're supposed to believe that the computer sees that, well, if we launch this missile and they launch this missile, this many people die. If these people launch this missile and these people launch this missile, this many people die. It's supposed to see that no scenario of launching a single missile is going to be victorious because there's always retaliation. That should have been in there from the start. Right. Because that's what it's running. (laughs) Those are the, the scenarios it's running. It, it didn't just all of a sudden think, well, this, this, and this. So that's where I'm like, so what are they saying at that point? Is it becoming a human? Is it making a choice? Because otherwise, it what we're seeing on the screens is just a, should just be a scroll of all the programs, the same way as when they look at the games. Like, here's all the games in here. Here's all the possible scenarios yeah. in here. So now that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not sure what this movie is saying. I think it's anti-nuclear war, but doesn't get into that too much. Exactly. I think it's more about uh, technology
1: versus humans um, and how technology can cause more problems than than we expect. And that you have to have a human there to make the right choice because there's more to it than just the black and white uh, pixels that, that the computer might be running and seeing. Uh-huh. Um, yes, at the end, the last final message from the computer is, you know, what does he say? This is a strange game. The only winning move is not to play. So that's, that's the big nuclear message. But I think more than that, the movie itself is more about when, when the, I think Dabney Coleman says to the general, don't act like a machine, when he has to decide,
0: do I fire my missiles? I don't know. First of all, so the computer does become self-aware.
1: To it has an opinion. I think it
0: suddenly. I think <laughs> it has a thought.
1: I think at the beginning we learned that he's been building computers that are supposed to learn, and I think the computer learned. He learned that nuclear war is should never be an option. War itself shouldn't be an option. I don't know if it learned that, but certainly global thermonuclear war should not be an option. That's what the computer learned. That's what he became
0: aware of. I think it makes a good point for kids to maybe see cuz it it's, it's 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 an anti nuclear message. And that's in there. That's but clearly it's, in there that's a important message. It to is put a very forth. important message.
1: But I, but I think the yes, but I think it's more about uh, they they they've got the computer human thing. The human factor is important. And that's what I think the 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 bigger message is. I think at the end they tell Dabney Coleman that his his idea was bad, and I'm assuming, again, we don't see it, but it's inferred, you would imagine, at the end of this movie, they bring John uh, Spencer and Michael Madsen and, and give them their jobs
0: back. That's, that's, my, that's my takeaway. Do you think maybe he opened up a pizzeria in that time so he couldn't come back? <laughs> that's primo pasta. That's probably no, true. But I, so the message in the 80s, I guess, was an anti-technology message. You can't make that message now. No. On a show that we assume people are going to listen to with headphones plugged you know into what, a though? phone Actually, that's made on a computer, you can't make that message anymore. I, I, they, you probably
1: can. I mean, people are making that message now. They're, they're saying how terrible Facebook has been for society, both on a personal level and socially, but now also technology and uh, espionage and treasonous. I think you can make the same message that, that technology is, is not good. Just the way, you know, there are certain ways it's great, but I think you can still find a way to, to make a message to make a film or a TV show about it. I mean, I, I haven't seen Black Mirror episodes, uh, but I'm told Black Mirror is all about how technology is terrible
0: uh, and can, can have negative effects. But are any of us going to do that? That's the thing. Like in the '80s, it was very easy to begin to be against technology because not everybody had a computer. There were still people at the MBTA turnstiles. Uh, Cylons were still fresh in people's minds. Like these things made it so that computers were otherworldly. They were still magic. I still do my stuff on pen and paper. I'm just that kind of guy. I do my taxes on paper. Whatever. That's my new character, by the way. Pen and paper. Pen, pen and paper. Pete, I think, is his name. But. I don't think we can, I don't think, I think we've crossed a point of no return with that short of an electronic, you know, an EMP apocalypse where suddenly we're at a loss because there are things that we need in this world that we no longer have physically. There is access to banks. There is ways we communicate. So all, so in anti-technology, and this is my issue with what you were saying. I don't think, cause I used to be, I used to be anti-technology. I thought technology is bad, I don't think technology can ever be bad because it's a tool. You know, a funny-looking hammer is still a hammer. It's not bad. These things can't be bad. That was a dumb <laughs> sentence. But I just... A tool itself is never... A weapon is bad, but a weapon and tool, I think, have different sure. purposes. But I just... You're right. The blanket statement of technology, but even picking and pulling it... At, at yeah, Facebook has been used for devious things, so maybe that is bad. But... The social aspect of it has it got us to start talking. It keeps us in touch. No, and and I you're, mean your your point
1: is 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 accurate because you're saying Facebook is a tool, and it's not about um, it's how people use that tool. And you're right; people have used it uh, for heinous things, and but but people are <laughs> Sorry, using it that's heinous,
0: heinous. You know, like I know I do like it. <laughs> I didn't think I would, but, but I do. Thank you. Uh, but it's it's the tool. You're absolutely right. It's the tool. You can't fault the tool. But you could in the 80s, I guess. I mean, cause I think I think there was a time where you well, could. no, I, I, no I, think, I think, no, I think
1: the movie makes the same point. You can't fault the tool, but you need the human there. The but human you're saying that guy
0: calls himself a machine. A machine is a tool.
1: It's humanity yes. that makes
0: the tools do the things they do. And in, and, right. and I think what we need to accept is that the strike that just happened on Syria, a human being ordered that with a human's mind, a human's conscience, a human's needs, a human, all of those well, things. I don't, I don't know if he's got a human's conscience. He does. I think the moment we detach him from that, we're allowing him to get away with shit. He's yeah. a disgusting human sure. being because human beings can That's do true. that. So I think this idea, and this is why, I i don't know if this is me changing as I get older, if this is a change as technology takes a bigger hold on society, I don't think the distinction of technology, the statement technology is bad is a dumb statement. The technology don't act like a machine. Right. I, I don't know if I get that. I'm not saying it's dumb. I'm just saying like, I, and, I'm, and I'm stretching it a little to try to wrap this up, but I just, I feel like there's a mixed message at the end of War Games that doesn't ring true to me if you claim that what's, you know, it's like, what saved the computer? Love. No, it didn't. That's where I thought it was going because it had the kid's name. It didn't. What saved humanity? Humanity, sure. What would have doomed humanity? Humanity. Like, that's at the end of the day. It's not – the capabilities of these tools are, are horrendous. The capability of a nuclear arsenal is horrendous, and I wish the fuck they didn't exist. Yeah and cuz it's something where how do you dismantle it? it still exists so that tool is horrible but still it's the person who hits the button or increases the build of them or refuses to pull back or whatever that causes the destruction so i i guess you know i was going to this movie thinking like let's talk about 80s wartime fear and paranoia with russia but now we can talk about 21st century fear with that but yeah i guess i'm not quite sure where i stand on what this movie's about mm. and to go, you know like to go into good reality bad reality i'm going to say it's a good reality you know i enjoyed the movie you know i wish the leads were a little more endearing but it had yeah. a point it had a good point it's just i'm not sure how to how the interpretation of that i guess
1: maybe and this will be my last comment on it uh, i also think it's a, a good reality i i was fully engaged with the movie the entire time it's it's a fine movie for, for its time and yeah we're saying that humanity saved the The world, humanity, could have also doomed the world. So maybe what the movie is saying is we need better humanity. We need more people to step up that have those, uh, that has a conscience and a kindness and a, a greater belief in the world. Hmm.
0: Perhaps. Maybe. Uh, So that's our show, I think, right? I'm I'm, timely wise. (laughs) (laughs) Again, again a question. Is that the end?
1: It is. It is the the end end. of the
0: show. Uh, Which means it's this part, people, the part where I tell you that if you like this show, if you want to hear more of the show, check out 20popcast.com. That's the main website for 20th Century Popcast, the show you just listened to. Uh, Latest issue, latest latest episode is always up there, as as well as links to all of our past episodes, 60-something episodes at this point. Um, you also Find links there, so you can subscribe to the show if you want to get an episode every week when it goes up on Thursdays. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, on Google Play, and other Android device devices, um, and all that's available. All if those podcatchers out there. All those podcasts is that a word you just learned, or do you know that that's, already? I, I've known it for a week now. Great. Catch those pods with a podcatcher. With a podcatcher, and, you, and you, can, you can you can get the net on that podcatcher by going to 20podcast.com did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Sorry. sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna to uh, uh, tell anyone to go to my Twitter and follow me because it's technology. And, uh, right. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, no, but you uh, can if you want. If you if you're a good uh, person and you will help humanity, <laughs> yes. you can follow me on Twitter at Rh
0: But if you're not a good person by my standards, get out <laughs> right. of technology. That's huh? right. Hit the digital inter- information highway. Download. go download yourself go download yourself go, I'm trying to think of computer terms with F in them and I'm, gonna, I'm just coming up blank go control alt, shift yourself go alt yourself, yeah, go shift, alt yourself. yourself. You go. shift yourself shift yourself, <laughs> shift yourself people uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully depending on how the retaliation for this country's yeah. little indulgence of warheads on Saturday went, but maybe we'll be back next week we'll see We'll see. We are so shift F would No, that didn't work. I'm looking. I'm actually looking at a keyboard <laughs> You're now. You your computer. I almost just started saying letters because that's go what most F of them key are. Go F key yourself. What's F F key. That's, that's pretty. Is there an F key though? They all have all the F keys. Them. Those are the F keys. Yeah, it's like F one So go F four yourself. Sure, that'll work. F ten yourself. Control Alt Dell yourself. Go Dell yourself. Uh.
1: How about this one, Tim? ready for this? This will end it. Ready? Okay. Control Alt, catchphrase.
0: I'm gonna let that be the end, but I'm okay. not sure how I feel about
1: it. You don't have to. You can cut. You can cut earlier. You can cut far That's
0: earlier. Far earlier. <laughs>